As we end our series called Fit Club, today we're going to be talking on the topic faith fit and what it means for us to grow in our faith, to become mature in our faith, to strengthen our faith, to move forward in progress in our faith, and in the future, look more fit in light of God's Word and our life applied to God's Word than we do now. Uh, so I want to read a scripture before we kind of jump into things. Uh, just, to, just to kind of get us on the same page for what we're doing today. This is Hebrews chapter number 5, starting in verse number 12. It says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use, listen to this, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. The writer of Hebrews is saying here to you and to me, that we need to grow in our faith, that we need to move from elementary teachings to mature teachings, that we need to move from spiritual milk to solid food, that we need to grow up, essentially. And as silly as it is to think about a grown man attending a kindergarten class on a regular basis, I think so many times we live in a culture here in America, especially in the church world, where it's easy for us not to mature, not to grow in our faith to look like grown people wearing diapers and, and drinking milk out of bottles. And so today, before we kind of jump into anything, just want to kind of encourage you, implore you, um, let you know that we have a responsibility as Christians to grow. That it doesn't just happen. And just as if a baby never eats and is never fed and never becomes mature, We'll never grow spiritually unless we apply ourselves, unless we seek to strengthen ourselves in Christ. You know, one of the, one of the statements that uh, leaders in the church world hear a lot, especially when it comes to Christians choosing which church that they want to attend, is, is um, you'll hear statements along the lines of, of being fed. Uh, and you'll hear some people say, you know, I, it's a good church, and I guess some people like it, but I just don't get fed there. Or you'll say, you know, I really go to this church because that's where I get fed. And um, it's unfortunate that those statements happen because the truth is, is God expects you to learn to feed yourself. That church on Sundays isn't about a pastor, uh, someone feeding you. As silly as that would be for me to come to you and say, open up. I know that you don't like this, but... That's good for you. That's good for you. Good job. Good job. That's not what preaching is about. That's, that's not what Sundays are for. Sundays are for encouraging and strengthening, but the goal would be for us all to grow up in our faith, to mature, to learn to feed ourselves. And so church becomes different when you become mature in your faith, when you become fit in your faith. And you don't expect someone to do for you what God expects for you to do for yourself. And so today we're going to talk about that. So we're going to talk about. Uh, let me review for us what we've learned over the last seven weeks and uh, just kind of walk through the encouragement that God's given us. Again, this series is about becoming fit, getting in shape in major areas of our lives that honestly get neglected a lot. So the first week, 
uh, we talked about the fact that training beats trying. Training beats trying. And this was our verse that we've read every week of the series, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, where Paul says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And we talked about the importance of training rather than trying and stop trying to be good or to do good things. And if you'll remember, I attempted 100 consecutive push-ups on the stage and got 54, failing miserably to get to 100. And I committed to you and to God and to myself that I would train over the last seven weeks. And today I'm going to attempt 100 consecutive push-ups again. So we'll talk about that a little later in our time together. Uh, Some of you are anxious to see me fail and others uh, somehow expect me to actually succeed. We'll see what happens. Week two, we talked about becoming body fit. If you remember, we, we talked about the need to recognize that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we're to honor God with our bodies, that we're to present our bodies as living sacrifices of worship to God, that the way we treat our bodies is important in our relationship to God. It's not about looking a certain way and it's not about feeling a certain way, but it's about offering ourselves a certain way to God. In week three, we talked about becoming money fit. We said that it's important for us to have a plan with our finances, to give first, to save second, and to budget the rest. And it's important for us to be wise and good stewards of the money that God's entrusted to us. Week four, we talked about church fit. We celebrated our second birthday as a church. And we talked about the fact that uh, we need to be walkers, not observers, in reference to the children of Israel when they marched around the walls of Jericho. Uh, so we've, we've got to, if we're going to become church fit, move from a, cons- from a consumer to a contributor. And then it's important for us to view church through those eyes. And then week five was career fit. And, and we really hung out on the statement that our work in this world should reflect God's work in us. And we talked about the fact that work is cursed because of sin. And so there are no ideal jobs that are absolutely perfect for any of us. But because of the results of sin that entered back in the story of creation with Adam and Eve that, that work has been cursed. And so in our work, which we spend most of our waking hours uh, doing at work, uh, that we should reflect God's work in us. And then week number six, we talked about being marriage fit. We talked about the idea that marriage is for you, but it's first you for. And the importance of living independence on your spouse and living for your spouse so that after you give yourself to your spouse, you can receive what God has for you in your marriage. Uh, And then week seven, last week, we talked about becoming parent fit. And uh, I've heard a lot of good feedback from the Marvel illustration, uh, understanding that we have limited time with our kids. And, And these are the four statements that we talked about last week, that our goal should be godly before good. We talked about the fact that time flies, so we should make time count. We've got to become a supermodel and model of godliness for our kids. And lastly, we have to have discipline, discipline in the way that we approach correcting our children. And so today we're going to talk about becoming faith fit. And um, like I said earlier, our goal is to become mature Christians who have been trained in godliness. That our faith is, is built not on a simple elementary teaching scale that never grows, but our faith is strengthened in the Lord and becomes mature in the Lord and reflects more and more of who he wants for our life. And, and so I'm going to do my best 
to attempt to teach you a simple, simple truth uh, found out of scripture in the book of Jude. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. It's the, the second to last book just before the book of Revelation. There's only one chapter, so you may have a, a hard time finding it, but we're going to look at a couple of verses in the book of Jude as we talk about training ourselves for godliness. Remember, we're not trying to have great faith. We're not trying to be mature in our faith, but we're training to be godly. And it's something that doesn't happen overnight, but it's something that we grow in, that we mature in. And as we work at it and apply ourselves, then we're going to see that we become more and more fit in the area of our faith. Here's a passage that I want to share with you. It's, it's found uh, in the book of Jude. The writer's name is Jude. He's the brother of James. And, and this is what he says. He says, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Let me read the whole thing again for you. It says, build your, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Build yourselves up in your, more, in your most holy faith. It's this idea that we aren't satisfied with where we are in our relationship with Christ. It's this idea that we can become more fit and we can do more to apply God's word to our lives so that we can strengthen our faith so we can better reflect Christ in this world. Um, and so there's a couple of things that I want to point out in this scripture and hopefully help you see a simple approach to building yourself up in your most holy faith that's based on just a few, few simple ideas. Uh, and the first thing that I want to talk about is, um, it's actually kind of a theological approach to following Christ and understanding uh, his role and our role in our relationship of salvation and what that looks like for us. Um, here's the truth. Um, Let's look first at, at verse 21. After he says to build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit, he says to keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So we have a responsibility in building up our faith to keep ourselves in God's love. Keep ourselves in God's love, meaning that it could potentially be possible for us to allow ourselves not to remain in God's love. And this is an idea that uh, can be debated. And I just want to kind of make it clear uh, kind of what Jude is getting at here. Uh, some people would say that in referencing the, the command, the instruction to keep ourselves in God's love, then it would be possible for us not to remain in God's love and therefore be removed from God's love. Uh, and some people would call this losing salvation. And some people would say that's impossible. It doesn't matter how you act or what your behavior looks like or any kind of level of maturity that you'll never lose salvation. And this this heated argument. People go back and forth, and it makes me dizzy uh, hearing all the arguments because they both have a legitimate points, and they both reference Scripture and talking about their points. Um, but I want us to hear the heart of Jude this morning in making this statement to keep yourselves in God's love. Uh, see, this isn't the, the first reference to that word keep that he uses in this one chapter book. So I want to go back and look at verse number one of Jude chapter one, and listen to what he says. He says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. 
So we're loved by God the Father and we're kept by Jesus Christ, okay? So we're to keep ourselves in God's love, but Jesus is the one that keeps us, okay? He, he's, he's our keeper, so we're kept before we keep. Let's, let's look at the doxology, the last two verses of this one chapter book, verses 24 and 25, where Jude says, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. So, so Jesus keeps us in his love. So we've got to understand uh, one simple truth, that if we come to Jesus, if we accept Christ, if we become Christians, if we're born again, if we're regenerate, whatever you want to, language you want to put on it theologically, it's this idea that, that God keeps us through Jesus that we're secure in him, but that doesn't give us a license just to act any old way we want to act, right? That we have a responsibility in being kept by God our Father through Jesus Christ to keep ourselves in God's love. Uh, I love watching uh, Gator Boys with my, with my son especially. Uh, if any of you have seen Gator Boys, you know that it's, it's two men who are just absolutely insane, and they go to remove nuisance gators from people's homes or public parks or places where they may be putting people in danger, and honestly, they may be in danger themselves, and, and so they wrestle with the gator, and, and my son Landon has this little routine where he'll wrestle uh, with a gator, and he'll pretend anything's a gator, and he'll jump on the gator, and you tape the mouth, and then you pick them up, and you put a towel over their head, and you tape it again so they can't see. And it's this idea that these, these two guys, they're not playing with gators. They're not there just to entertain people on a TV show. But these gators not only are a danger to other people, but they're endangered themselves because if they aren't removed and put into the proper environment, then they could be harmed. Who knows if somebody won't shoot one of these gators and kill them or, or they'll get themselves into a position where they hurt themselves. And so these guys, they go in and they rescue they remove these gators, but the gators never go easy. And it's like they fight being rescued when the rescuer is trying to put them in an environment that's better for them, where they'll have more food, where they'll be able to sustain life in the ways that are best intended for them. And it's almost as if sometimes God rescues us and we're rescued and we're in his hands, but it's like we just fight it. It's like we don't grasp and understand the reality. That's the best thing for us in the moment. So we're fighting it, we're fighting it. And it's like God saying, just keep yourself in my love and understand that, that I am keeping you. I'm keeping you. And so you have to understand first and foremost, if you're going to grow in your faith, that you don't have a responsibility to do more and to be better and to impress God and that's not the way that you remain in Christ, but you have to understand the fact that you can be secure, that he keeps us, he keeps you. That's his job. He's rescued you and he keeps you. You didn't do anything to save yourself and you're not gonna do anything to remain in his safety. But in that security of, of being kept by God through Christ Jesus, we have a responsibility to keep ourselves in God's love. And the two ways that Jude encourages us to do this is to build ourselves up in the, most holy, in the most holy faith and to pray in the Spirit. Today, I want to focus predominantly on this phrase, pray in the Holy Spirit, pray in the Spirit. 
because I believe that it's one of the most important responsibilities as Christians that we have, and it's one of the most important weapons, and it's one of the most important attributes that we have as Christians to keep ourselves in God's love and to grow in our faith. Now, I know just saying the phrase, even though it's found in Scripture, praying in the Holy Spirit, that some people get nervous, and they associate praying in the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues, and they've heard that application of praying in the Holy Spirit. And while we believe that the Holy Spirit praying in tongues is a gift that God has for his children, uh, that's not what Jude is completely saying here. He's not saying that in order for you to build yourself up in your most holy faith and in order for you to keep yourself in God's love that you have to speak in tongues, okay? So let's just kind of get on the same page. It's a gift from God speaking in tongues. It has application for the believer today. I believe that. But, but this is so much bigger than that. And I don't want the language praying the Holy Spirit that has some kind of connotation in your mind to keep you from the truth and this potential that it has in your life. So we keep ourselves in God's love by praying. Okay, so, so before we talk about praying in the Spirit, let's talk about the importance of praying uh, and the importance of keeping ourselves in God's love by praying. Listen to some prayers that Jesus prayed. Uh, Luke chapter 21, verse 36. Jesus says, Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. That we're going to go through difficult situations and circumstances in life and that we should pray that we can endure well. You know, that's the theme of the book of Jude. Endurance, perseverance in the faith. And so Jesus himself prays with his disciples that they would be able to withstand some difficult situations. Luke twenty-two thirty-two, Jesus prays and he says, But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, Strengthen your brothers. This was a statement that Jesus made to Peter after he had told them that he would deny him three times. And Peter said, I'll never deny you. And Jesus says, I pray that your faith may not fail. It's a prayer heart that keeps us where God wants us to be. It's this attitude, it's this approach to life of prayer out of a sense of necessity and responsibility, uh, but really privilege that we get to talk to Almighty God that keeps us in God's love, that protects us from the evil in this world, that keeps us from losing faith in God and Scripture and certain things. And so we should pray. We should constantly pray. And we should pray that God's faith would help us persevere to the end. So the question becomes, what is praying in the Spirit when Jude says pray in the Holy Spirit? And this is the best statement that I think I could give you to understanding what praying in the Spirit is that would help us all get on the same level playing ground. Um, I know some of you probably have some Pentecostal background and, and you've heard taught your whole life, you know, let's pray in the Spirit. And maybe you had a preacher stand up on stage and say, everybody, come on, let's just pray in the Spirit and things might have got a little weird and, and that's okay. And some of you um, have never even heard of praying in the Spirit. And you're like, what is praying in the Spirit? I never even knew that was in the Bible, even though it's mentioned uh, two or three times. You said, praying in the Spirit, what's, what's that? So, so let's kind of, let me give you a statement here that kind of gets us on the same playing field. Uh, 
Praying in the Spirit is when God's Spirit moves or motivates and guides our prayers. So God's Spirit is the motivation of our prayers, and God's Spirit guides our prayers. Okay? This is different and opposite from praying in the flesh, which means I pray in my own strength. I pray my own prayers. I pray what I want to pray out of my own motivations, and I guide and direct my own prayers. Okay? So there's a difference here, and we need to understand this if we're going to become mature, if we're going to become fit in the Lord. Uh, so here's something that we've got to understand uh, about the motivation that the Spirit gives us in praying, in praying in the Holy Spirit. Uh, first of all, uh, praying in the Spirit is not simply a type of prayer, such as speaking in tongues or groans in the Spirit, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. It's not a type of prayer, but it's a way of prayer. It's, it's, a, it's a prayer approach as, a pro, as, as opposed to a prayer type. Okay, so, so listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. He says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And some versions say, always pray in the Spirit. Okay, so if this were a type of prayer that specifically Jude was talking about and he was just saying this is one type of prayer, then... Paul would not have said that we should pray just that one type of prayer always uh, because we know that he taught his disciples to pray with actually human words, okay? So this is a way of prayer. Every prayer that we pray should be prayed in the Spirit. This is a way to pray. Hopefully this will revolutionize the way we pray and approach our prayer. So it's not simply a type of prayer, but it's a way of prayer. Number two, uh, the Spirit helps our weakness when we don't know how to pray, Hey, have you ever just been in a situation where you're just at your wit's end? Maybe you're in the middle of a tragedy or maybe you're just at the end of yourself and you're like, I don't even know how to pray. I know I should pray, but my goodness, where do I even start? I don't even have the words to explain how I feel to God. And I know that he understands, so maybe he'll just, he'll just do something for me. And you're just hopeless and helpless. And listen to this encouragement in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Paul says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness and we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. That there are times in our lives where we'll experience circumstances that will leave us speechless before holy God. But we won't even know what to say, where we will know, God, I need your help, and, and I need you to do something here, but I don't even know what to say. This situation is just beyond me, and the promise for us to pray in the Spirit is that the Spirit will intercede for us. That God's Spirit will pray for us and through us. And, and there can even be groans that we have. Just tremors of frustration and pain that God's Spirit can use to speak to God on our behalf. This is a beautiful thing. This, this is an understanding that we need to have that our prayers aren't based on the words that we say. And I know that we have a tendency to judge our prayers when we hear people pray and we say, well, you know, that, they're great prayers. You know, that was a great prayer. And then we hear some people like, yeah, they, don't, they haven't really got there yet. They don't really know this whole, they don't have this thing down yet. You know, they need to stay around a little bit and learn some more prayers. Maybe they'll memorize something somebody else says and they can say it and it'll make them sound better. But it's not the words that we say, but it's the approach that we have in allowing God's spirit to lead us in prayer. And thirdly, uh, the Spirit causes us to cry out. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship 
And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That it's by God's Spirit itself that helps us to cry out to God as our Father. Abba, Father, meaning Daddy. Meaning we have a relationship with a Father in heaven, no matter what our earthly relationship with a Father looks like. That the Spirit helps us to understand that we are sons of God. And it causes us to cry out just like your, your infant, your child, your toddler would cry to you when they need something. Mama, Daddy, that it's God's Spirit in us that causes us to long for our Heavenly Father, to cry out to Him, to recognize that He is our Father. And so it's through His Spirit that, that we're motivated to pray. It's through His Spirit that that we're led in prayer and it causes us not to pray in our own strength and not to try to come up with words that will impress God or get us what we want, but it's an understanding that God's spirit is the very thing that leads us into an effective prayer life. And it's through that prayer life that we keep ourselves in God's love, which builds us up in our most holy faith. So if we understand that God's spirit is our motivation for prayer, The question becomes, how do we pray in the Spirit? So so what's this look like? How do we do it? You know, I I know you're thinking like, well, what are the words that I should say? And and what's that look like? Let me just give you a a few pieces of encouragement. Maybe it'll help you understand praying in the Spirit more. First of all, this is God, His Spirit through a man named Jude, giving us this instruction. And, And so God is telling us, to pray in the Spirit. So God is giving us an instruction to pray to Him, and then He's given us a promise that He will allow His Spirit to help us. This is a a unique situation. It's a huge benefit for us. It's like God saying, I'm giving you a responsibility, but I'm going to help make it happen. And all you got to do is just trust me, rely on me, and allow me to help you with this, and your prayers will be more effective, and in turn, it'll keep you in God's love, which will build yourself up in your most holy faith. And so praying in the Spirit is, is not like a one-time thing or one approach or one area of our lives as Christians that, that the Holy Spirit's involved in. It's actually one of several that are mentioned in Scripture, and, and I want to read a few of those or just reference a few of those actually to you. Um, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, the Apostle Paul tells us that we're to walk or to live in the Spirit. That our lives should be lived by the Spirit. So we, we don't just pray in the Spirit, but we live, we walk. Our very lives should be led by God's Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 13, Paul says that we're to put to, de- put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. That the very things that our lives need to be rid of, it's God's Spirit that helps us to put those things to death. Those habits, those addictions, those, those things in our life that that we know are sinful, God says, hey, yeah, here's good news. You need to put them to death, but it's in my spirit. It's by my spirit that you're going to do it. So I'm expecting something from you, but I'm going to make it happen. And you just have to let me make it happen. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 says that no one can say Jesus is Lord, but by the spirit. That when we first come to Christ, when we receive Christ as Savior, it's only through his spirit, it's by his spirit that we're even able to accept him, to be drawn to him, to even utter the words that Christ is Lord. It's like he takes blinders off our eyes and he makes our spirits come alive. It's by his spirit. You didn't do anything to earn your salvation. You didn't work hard enough. You didn't, 
you didn't say enough things or, or do enough good deeds. It was by his spirit that you were saved. Philippians chapter 3 verse 3 says that we serve by the spirit or we worship by the spirit. That when we bring our gifts to God to be used of him, it's, it's not in our own strength that we do that, but it's by his spirit that we do it. And so the first thing that you need to know if you want to know how to pray in the Spirit is that we have to trust that God's Spirit will help us pray and stop praying in our own strength. Stop praying in our own strength. We live by the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. We worship and serve by the Spirit. We put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. We utter the words, Jesus is Lord, by the Spirit, and we pray in the Spirit, and this is great news for us because Paul goes on in Philippians 3 3 to say that we're to put no confidence in our flesh. And so, when it comes to praying in the Spirit, we have to understand that His Spirit is the one that guides and leads our prayers and not ourselves. Now, now, think about this when you try to pray in your own strength, in fact, this just happened to me two days ago. Driving down the road, this, I'm telling you, this is just my worst, these are my worst experiences in trying to be the best Christian I can be. There are just people that cannot drive in this world, and it just drives me insane. And listen to this prayer that I literally play, prayed. It wasn't a prayer in the spirit, it was a prayer in my flesh. This guy cuts me off, and he's flying by, he's just driving crazy, and I said, I said, God, I just, just let him get a ticket, Lord. I would love just to drive up and see a cop behind him. He's pulled over on the side. That would oh, be great. I got to thinking, that wasn't God's spirit praying through me. That was my flesh praying through me. And if we put confidence in our own flesh, then our prayers will be based on how we feel. Right? So when we're angry, we pray angry prayers. God, I want justice. I want revenge. I want you just to take away everything they have and make their life miserable. And that would make me feel good about myself. Or when we're depressed or discouraged, we'll pray depressed or discouraged prayers with no hope that God will do what he wants. Oh, God, you know, I guess if you want to, whatever. We're excited. We're like, oh, God, you're just awesome. Yeah, this is great. This is great. We go through tragedy and we're sad and we're just like, you know, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through. And the good news is, is our prayers, they're not based on our flesh. We pray in the Spirit, and so no matter how we're feeling or what circumstances we're going through, God's Spirit doesn't change. And God's Spirit guides our prayers, and we learn to pray in the Spirit. It simply means that we don't pray based on what we're thinking or experiencing or feeling, but we're praying based on God who lives in us and guides our prayers. It's a beautiful truth for us to understand that we can pray in the Spirit, allowing His Spirit to direct our prayers. And the second thing that, that you need to understand about praying in the Spirit is when we're talking about how to pray in God's Spirit is that we can allow God's Word to shape our prayers. Because we can allow God's Word to shape our prayers. I know you know this, but just humor me for a second. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed. In the New Testament, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, which means breath of God. 
So the Spirit inspired men, authors, to write God's Word. So if we're going to pray in the Spirit, we first need to understand He's already given us a lot of thoughts. He's already given us a foundation. He's already given us truths that we can learn to pray. So we don't have to come up with our own prayers or try to figure things out our own. But we can simply know God's Word and it will help direct our prayers and we'll be praying in the Spirit. Does that make sense? If, God, if we're going to pray in the Spirit, if we want to pray in the Spirit, if He instructs us to pray in the Spirit, and we know that His Spirit has already inspired Scripture, then why don't we just read Scripture and get familiar with Scripture and embrace Scripture, and then our prayers will be based on those Scriptures, and we'll be praying in the Spirit. And so it's important for us to embrace God's Word, to know God's Word, to study God's Word, to spend time in God's Word on a daily basis, to allow God's Word to be the primary voice in our lives when it comes to hearing from God, because if we'll know God's word and if we'll depend on God's word and if we'll memorize God's word and, and have God's word hidden deep inside our hearts, then the prayers we pray will be different than the prayers we pray outside of the spirit. And our prayers won't just be crisis mode prayers and wishless prayers, but our prayers will be directed and motivated by God's spirit himself. And it's through his spirit that our prayers are effective. And praying in the spirit, I believe, is the best way to build yourself up in the most holy faith because praying in the spirit keeps us in God's love. And that's Jude's encouragement to you and to me. That as we're kept by God, as we're secure in him, we have a responsibility to keep ourselves in God's love. Which means we embrace being kept and we love being kept in God. And we don't have a desire to do things outside of God's keeping power. And, and the way that we're kept is by praying through his spirit, which shapes our hearts, which helps us to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, which changes everything. So no longer are we little kids running around, misbehaving, having to have basic instructions, being told what to do every little moment and being watched over like we're irresponsible, but we'll grow up into mature believers, which is God's plan for us. And we have a responsibility to make that happen. And it doesn't happen automatically. It takes training. We have to train ourselves in godliness, which means we've got to know God's word. We've got to study God's word which is going to help us pray in the Spirit. So that's my encouragement to us as a church. Listen, I, I, could, I struggled. I could have talked about spiritual disciplines this morning. I got to talk to you about the importance of fasting and the role that fasting plays in our lives. I could have talked to us about the spiritual role of, of solitude, the importance of, of getting alone and being alone, of meditation, but I just felt like the encouragement that, that I wanted for us as a church, if we're going to seek to become fit in our faith, is to learn to pray in the Spirit. It's to allow prayer to shape our lives by God's Word into what He has for us. And in doing that, in doing that, we'll begin to see ourselves growing up and things that that once caused us to slip up doesn't cause us to slip up anymore and things that we used to get upset about we don't get upset about anymore and things we once 
didn't understand, we begin to understand. And our motivations in life, our desires in life, will become different. So that's my encouragement. Be faith fit. Pray in God's spirit, which keeps you in God's love, understanding that he's the keeper. We're kept in him, but we keep ourselves there by praying in God's spirit, which builds us up in our most holy faith. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Become stronger. Become more fit. Become more mature. Don't be satisfied with where you are now. Look back on your life and say, I remember when I was just a babe in Christ. And some of you may be new Christians, and it's okay for you to be a baby. Babies are supposed to be babies, but there comes a time in your life where you've got to grow up. And you've probably said it to some kids, and you've probably wanted to say it to someone else's kids, but it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. You've got to stop acting so childish. You're not a kid anymore. You're not a baby anymore. And so for me and for you, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Let me pray for us. God, you're incredible. We love you for your word, and we're thankful for the promise and the instruction to pray in the Spirit, which keeps us in God's love, which builds us up in our most holy faith. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would experience a maturity in our desires, in our thoughts, in our actions. I love that James tells us that faith without actions is dead, and so we have this responsibility to be who you've called us to be while trusting that you're the very one that keeps us in all that we say and do. And for that, I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.